0: Start the recording. You want to give me the give me the punch it or what?
1: <laughs> Hit
0: it. <laughs> I think we should go punch it, man. Star Wars, like Chewbacca. Now, why oh is my, my volume God. doing this stuff again? Oh, okay, good. My volume isn't clipping again. All right. Sorry, everybody. Get ready for the show. Here we go. What right does a man have to rule another?
2: lover? are so bad, ladies and gentlemen, that if I invented a particular device. Pretty soon, I'd have to get a permit from the state to use my own product. You cannot
0: get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants, for a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. It's prison. They are not independent of each other. These are not two different things which are at opposite ends of the pole. They are one thing of
2: which the one is a negation of the other. They say, why don't you get into politics? I mean, why don't you try to run for office? Then you can create change. You don't create change when you're in office. They tell you what to do. This is how we create change, by getting this information out to the masses. We can do more in one year than someone can sitting in office for eight years. Together can we are Divide us and the road leads to destruction. Don't you fall a prey to Babylon. No, never. They want to pull us all in different directions. So they take you from the root and teach you their own truth. Open up your mind, please don't you be so blind. I'm not in it for the fame, I'm in it for the
0: Yeah, good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. Just like the theme song says, uh, we're in it for the love. We're not trying to make a whole bunch of dollars here. Although, if you would contribute and donate, that would make us very, very happy. Uh, you can contribute and donate at wearenotcattle.net, the site that you are streaming from. Or if you are listening to the recorded session, uh, go check out my work at wearenotcattle.net. And joining me with tonight, or joining me tonight, is Josh Wiley, statelesshomesteading.com. dot com. How's it going, man?
1: Uh, otherwise known as Rusticus. If you're coming from Stateless Homesteading, uh, it's going. <laughs> How's
0: it going for you? Oh, it's Brexit Day, man. So, what better way to start off the show than um, see how the mainstream
1: got my cup of tea?
0: Oh, isn't that sweet? Although tea time is way—it's well past tea time. But anyway, it's tea. all right. Well, um, what better way to start off the um, the Brexit Day than uh, by listening to how the mainstream media covers this?
3: And now to the cliffhanger vote at this hour in the UK—the so-called Brexit vote. The first results coming in at this hour, the crucial decision on whether Britain will remain part of the European Union. The final decision will almost certainly have an impact on Wall Street here in this country and on the global markets. ABC's chief foreign correspondent Terry
2: Moran in London with what we're learning so far. Tonight, history unfolding as the votes are now being counted in a campaign that's had emotions running at a fever pitch here. No, I can't. Nobody, at all. nobody wants to nobody listen, listen to you. you, you don't nobody want to, to listen to me. me, The debate's so intense because the stakes are so high. On one side, those for a British exit from Europe, dubbed a Brexit, argue that Britain can regain control of its borders and its economy only by leaving the 28-member European Union while those for staying in Europe say the U.K. will be poorer and less safe if it cuts itself off from the free trade and shared security of the E.U.
0: Oh, the shared security, isn't that nice? Go ahead, Josh. I saw you put the finger uh, up.
1: Sorry, I just think it's really comical that uh, a note about borders for a series of islands.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Oh, no, 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 Now they have e- a border. Oh, now no. they
1: have a land border with, with the E.U. if Northern Ireland uh remains uh a part of the UK proper so
2: <laughs>
1: well shot themselves on the in the foot a little bit on that one did they
0: oh well you know it gets even better there's this is beautiful
2: And just like in the U.S., it's immigration and disgust with politics as usual that's driving much of this campaign. All politicians lie. We know that. Polls show the race too close to call, the country split.
1: And I'm voting to remain.
2: I voted out. Families, friends, even husbands and wives divided. In, out. And all kinds of celebrities are weighing in, from Daniel Craig backing the remain side, to Michael Caine and Elizabeth Hurley, who led a Union Jack pillow and nothing else, proclaim her support for Brexit. All this uh, could matter a lot to Americans, with some economists warning that if the British vote to get out of the European Union, the turmoil from that could plunge the global economy back into recession, and that would hit every American's 401k and financial future. David? And that's a major concern tonight. Terry Moran
0: live in London. Terry, thank you. It's a major concern in America that Britain could leave the EU Alright, so, now that we've seen the dog and pony show, as I clipped really bad right there, I just saw it roll by. That's why I backed away from the mic. As we leave the dog and pony show, Josh, you have a very compelling theory that um, piggybacks on your work at statelesshomesteading.com that you were laying out to me today, which I guess you've been blogging about quite frequently. So, um, the Brexit, I see it as a good thing. Once again, I was looking at the short term, uh, applauding much like the rest of our um, alternative media audience. So now let's get into what the long game could be and your thesis for the Brexit.
1: Well, it's really fun to watch uh, the EU disintegrate, uh, and that is uh, certainly a process that could make an alternative media viewer cheer uh, especially with all that these kind of regional federalized uh, systems, the havoc that they create and, and their ultimate their ultimate end. That being said, uh, the dissolution of the European Union, in my opinion, uh, especially the leaving of Great Britain uh, or the UK, will be uh, ultimately that. On a currency level, these things will be federated globally far more so than even the European Union and Brussels uh, controls these countries right now. Uh, and this is something that I've been tracking since I started to hear rumblings about uh, the Brexit. And obviously, uh, countries exiting the Eurozone isn't anything new. They're, uh,
0: yes. Sorry. No, no, uh, let's, let's set it up. So, Brexit was announced uh, in January, or at least the referendum. So what makes this extremely interesting that you pointed out to me this, this afternoon, you have a very conservative leader, David Cameron, who can actually block the referendum from even occurring, correct?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, David Cameron essentially puts, put the vote to the people, uh, just as he earlier put the vote to a referendum uh, on the issue of Scottish independence. That was, uh, that was denied. So uh you, One has to ask themselves if you truly look at the anglo American establishment as a global entity, then why would why would they take a a made man like David Cameron and allow him to make these uh supposed slip ups
0: right so continue with the thesis
1: <laughs> so as uh as Britain exits the European Union, uh we have to remember that Great Britain has always had a destiny somewhat removed from the eurozone not just because as i said earlier there are a bunch of islands uh so this uh, a lot of this immigration policy is uh it, i mean i'm sure it's very important to listeners in the uk but you don't have it nearly as hard as people who share a land border with the with the middle east and you never will so quit complaining um but the the leaving of, of britain from the eu is predicated on its currency having never joined before right uh, so the pound remained, uh, the pound sterling remained a currency despite the fact that every other Europe, major European economy uh, in the EU uh, ended up dissolving their national currency. The, the franc was a, was a late holdout, as was the German Deutschmark, but mm-hmm. ultimately both of them buckled, both of them became uh, uh, euro currency mm-hmm. countries, uh, and Sweden is the only other EU member state that maintains its own currency in the Swedish krona. Um, <laughs> but also
0: interesting to also interesting to note that the British people never voted to be in the EU. This was just a um, a joining of the the trade organization, so it was never put to a referendum to the people. So this is actually their first chance to say if they want to be a part of uh, regionalism or globalism.
1: Yeah. So the European Union, when uh, it was uh, originally formed as a bunch of trade agreements back in 1972, mm-hmm. uh, the British voted to join that trade organization. Right as well as the Schengen Agreement earlier, which is the free travel uh, agreement. Right. Uh, they voted on the, on those things, but those stipulations ended up hooking them into this greater system later on that, again, as you note, they never actually voted on. Right. Uh, and even earlier than the formation of the European Union, this is all based on uh, French and British trade deals that were then regionalized related to the steel industry post-World War II. Uh, it's funny that this is all the culmination of that initial effort, because uh, I just wrote about this somewhat in my latest article on um, on the East-West changeover and how these currencies are, are gradually being folded into some something akin to an SDR-type basket to fulfill the role of a global reserve currency, um, replacing the dollar. So sorry, getting back on track a little bit, mm-hmm. didn't mean to go off on that history lesson. Uh, the the UK, having maintained the pound sterling, now finds itself in the precarious position, being outside the eurozone, of initiating what CIA assets like Jim Rickards would call a cur- the currency wars. Mm-hmm. But really, in my opinion, is just the the beginning of the next managed central bank takedown of global economies, uh, and Brexit will be the the uh, I believe the scapegoat for this effort, uh, because what you've ultimately created is uh, is a, a, a situation where both the pound sterling and the euro uh, w- will be weaker currency-wise as a right. result of this. Right. In the short term, it will create a short uh, a safe haven trade, a rush into dollars, treasuries, somewhat gold and silver, which is what you would like to see more so, uh, but of course they're heavily manipulated markets, so it's tough to get a, a real read on that price action. Yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately, what this means is uh, that coming coming into the IMF's official reweighting of the SDR basket, which, which is happening
0: once, in October,
1: which happens in early October of this year. Uh, listeners will and readers to my site will remember that uh, back in December, the IMF voted to allow the Chinese yuan or the renminbi, as it's known, uh, to become a part of the SDR currency basket. Um, and they projected an initial weighting of 15% for the renminbi.
0: Yeah, and then they said that they were be- going to re- reweight it towards October, which if both of these currencies follow what your your hypothesis would entail and what a lot of economists would say. I, I mean, I've, obviously, if you remove one of the stronger units from the EU, you're going to have a plunge in the uh, in the – in the British pound, you're also going to have a plunge in the in the euro as well. So that would, in in essence, strengthen the position of the yuan uh, from a global um, from a global standpoint. And then when they do the reweighting, uh, obviously they'll have a little bit more backing than they did even uh, a couple of months before.
1: Absolutely, especially if Japanese uh, quantitative easing picks up again uh, it to make up for a lot of this weakness in the global marketplace. Have you like have you seen?
0: Just, it be. Well, just interesting, have you seen uh, the propagation of uh, minimalist living in uh, Japan as uh, something that should be upheld and glorified? Have you seen this?
1: Oh, well, to a certain extent, this has been happening in Japan since, really, the the, the rebuilding of the country. Uh, it, you know, I mean, a Japanese apartment uh, has a, is an average of 400, and 400 right. square feet. So it's already along the lines of development that the Western world is being forced Forced into, Uh, so culturally this is a this is a longstanding theme in Japan, right? And it's why the environmental movement in Japan. Sorry, I don't want to go too far afield.
0: No, that's fine. We should touch on it at least tangentially (laughs) because I saw it on LinkedIn today, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're just selling you selling you the idea of being a slave and being poor and being yeah anyway.
1: Yeah, so the Japanese have been shoved into cities, and, and of course the, the explanation being that, oh, it's a small island, so we have to save space and save resources. Um, but in, to a certain extent, the environmental movement in Japan has created more of a problem for globalism than, uh, than a lot of other uh, nations simply because Japanese people, having been forced into cities for so long, have this reverence for nature and for the countryside uh, and, and uh, have that on a cultural long Mm-hmm. long-standing basis so they don't necessarily see agenda 21 this model of sustainable development as being actually sustainable because they've seen it now for 30 plus years mm-hmm. whereas in the western world we're just starting to experience a lot of this stuff
0: right so back on track uh, the devaluation and the and the reweighting of the renminbi and the significance of uh october and china taking over uh the presidential position as well
1: yes absolutely so we noted the 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 recommendation of a 15% RMB weighting back in December. That was not the official addition of the, of the RMB to the basket. That's it was merely the announcement. All the real action takes place this, this early October, uh, <clears throat> at which point uh, the 15% target uh, will be evaluated based on the needs of the changing market and the global currency uh in the global currency market.
0: I'll give you a millennial uh, so coin for that one. That was good.
1: Ex- exactly. So as we as we enter this SDR reweight, we're looking at uh an environment where the euro will be significantly weaker than it is today, mm-hmm. especially if other nations take take lead uh from this Brexit effort. The pound will certainly uh trade significantly lower than it than it would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um if this if this event ends up uh, triggering derivatives in Deutsche Bank, we don't know how much counterparty risk right. risk of deutsches is, is held in the city of london uh as it is uh, so that could create a reverberating effect uh to to the dollar uh maybe maybe Treasuries. certainly u s equities are already already panicking mm. uh, and pension funds as as your clip noted um but it's setting up a situation where global currencies will be significantly weaker than uh, than uh, the RMB on an international basis. So you without have waiting.
0: So you have the you have the Hegelian dialectic in full effect, but on a scale that's basically being put outside the purview of the of the normal everyday citizens that are just seeing this as a step towards nationalism, whereas there could be. You know the internationalists could be looking at this as a um, as a Hegelian dialectic, where they create the problem of the currency destabilization, um, create the reaction from the public as as Britain leaves, as both of the currencies go down, uh, they propose the solution, which would be uh, a weighted basket of international currencies, so you don't have these currency wars, you don't, and so they could shift it and then shift the the dialogue from doing regional states to something like a an international world union of currencies to stabilize the world and it doesn't matter which trade agreement you're part of we can have trade agreements between nation states but we really do need to stabilize on this one world currency so that's a definite angle we need to we need to all take a look at and you know be it what it is with the alternative media you know, everybody's celebrating the victory, but, you know, once again, pull back and, and, and take a look at the forest for the trees, to use a really cheesy analogy. What is the goal? Why would—Josh had the perfect point when he asked me today. He said, why would David Cameron let this happen if he was a globalist? Why would he let the referendum take place? Now, maybe he thought that they were going to win, but I think with him stepping down— it just shows that you know it's going to be a long transition process and uh, i think it says in the um uh, i think it says in the lisbon treaty it'll probably take a 2 year transition and then 5 years for everything to really transition out so it's it's not going to happen overnight But the knee-jerk reaction from the alternative media is celebrate the victory, and then somehow uh, Infowars and other alternative medias parlayed this, and Trump did it as well, parlayed this into this could be a great move for nationalism for the United States, which, once again, um, I still think that – I still think that he's going to um, pick Senator Sessions to be his vice president. The more I think about it, there's no reasons for Sessions to come out and endorse Donald Trump so early, unless he was guaranteed uh, a high level position, just playing the politics of the whole thing. And,
1: unless, um, unless it's uh, unless it's Newt Age of Transitions Gingrich himself.
0: I just don't think that with the establishment, the anti-establishment rhetoric that Trump uh, that he touts. Uh, that Gingrich would even work with that, but again, not
1: not to get too far afield but, yeah uh, if if you're running a, a Clinton fighter ticket in the in the eyes of your traditional American <laughs> sheeple then Newt, Newt Gingrich, the man who brought the impeachment against Bill Clinton is cer- certainly fits the bill
0: yeah, well so. we that's uh, hey that's our uh that's our political coverage for the um, for the show
1: and it'll and it will never happen. again.
0: That's our presidential political coverage, all of forty-five seconds. So, um, sorry. Just so, just a, yeah, go ahead and put a put a capstone on it.
1: Put a cap on this segment. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the greater aspirations of alternative media, and you know, uh, some of the more optimistic among us might might be right. Maybe this is a, a, a clear victory, and the dissolution of the European Union will spell uh, the decentralization of of trade treaties, and uh, a healthier, stronger Europe and world economy as a whole. Um, Maybe (laughs) the PBOC will uh, (laughs) drop gold from a helicopter for all world citizens, and we'll join the (laughs) gold-plated puppy society, and that'll be our new reserve currency, and we can make change with barks. Um, These are the kind of things... These are the kind of aspirations that alternative media put on these geopolitical events as opposed to analyzing them within context. And I I just got to say that the Brexit, within the context of geopolitical moves and the things that I write about in my blog, um, this is perfectly in line with the grander thesis that I've been establishing over the past few years. This folding into uh, uh, some kind of multi-currency, super sovereign, super national reserve uh, system. and. it, yeah, I, I don't know what else. The uni,
0: unipolar world versus the or multipolar world versus a unipolar world. So uh, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, it really does come down to one thing.
1: Oh, that, sorry. Blast. That that was what I was going to say. What's that? I completely forgot. It's important to remember that the UK was the very first Western nation to join the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, the AIIB, mm-hmm. and uh, that made massive global press. Uh, so people should look towards this as a part of this greater East-West changeover and folding into, a, into this globalized effort uh, because it, it certainly is playing out that way, and alternative media is simply not going to cover it as such.
0: So I think that we can give this to the alternative media.
2: There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. I gave us both a coin for that. That was a pretty good breakdown. All right. So transitioning into the fun stuff, Josh, um, it's time to play the game, man. Oof, I've been looking forward to it all week. Well, I've been hyping it because this is a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Alex Jones NLP version of the show and um, with us as always is josh riley statelesshomesteading.com. thanks for joining us josh turn, you, it down, turn down my volume here a little bit ladies and gentlemen the reason that we produce this portion of the podcast is so that you can be aware of the neurolinguistic programming and the disinformation that alex jones is propagating to now what i would consider the mainstream conservative media what used to be alternative media is not anymore so josh we have a few choices for you today Number one we have um, Alex Jones gets it right We have uh, Alex Jones is Superpower We have um, Alex Jones Plays the meme um, Alex Jones agrees With Josh And those are your choices So we have Alex Jones agrees with Josh Alex Jones is superpower, Alex Jones uses the meme and alex jones gets it right which would you like first
1: let's let's uh initiate some common bond, bonds of brotherhood first jake where where do we agree
3: yeah. you ever wanted to know what an anti-societal weapon system would look like you're being hit by it and they write textbooks admitting they are that's nothing people are, oh you're against trannies it has nothing to do with that this is a weapon system this is a joke This is forced mental illness, and every metric shows mental illness, and I can see with my own two eyeballs, is exploding. People are acting like babies everywhere. It's because the general public is in a trance state, totally immersed and their brainwaves in a near-sleep state. That's mainstream news. Children's brains are completely rewired in a bad way. IQs are plunging. Attention spans are less than that of a goldfish.
0: Less than seven seconds. I'll give you the millennial. Most coin people when it now I talk to, they're gone. Here it comes.
3: They're not even listening to a word you say. They're bouncing from one thing to the next. they're not even alive. They respond to stimuli. They don't have original thoughts. They don't put out stimuli. They don't affect the world around them. They are nothing but receivers.
0: So, Josh and Alex Jones agree. Establishing yeah. a common bond. As you say, and, it's skinnerian conditioning.
1: And Jake, I don't know if you still uh, still disagree with me on that point, but I would argue... For the listening audience, that human beings are largely stimulus-response creatures, which is why there's so much effort and research into Skinnerian conditioning. I would agree, uh, and that it's it's the rare individual who who uh, inserts the, uh, uh, the critical thinking between uh, the stimulus and the response.
0: Okay, so well, we agree. Let me take this volume down before we go back into the. Uh go back into the uh, theme song here. Okay, so now we have um, we still have Alex Jones's superpower. Alex Jones gets it right. So we don't bash Alex Jones, ladies and gentlemen. This is just kind of pointing out some stuff. Alex Jones gets it right. Alex Jones' superpower. And <laughs> Alex Jones propagates the meme. Which, by the way, I will be sending this segment to no agenda.
1: Does the superpower have anything to do with
0: super mail? So... That's the question. What is Alex Jones' superpower?
1: Uh, I got to find out. So,
0: well, No, what is it? What's your guess?
1: Huh. Uh, handpicked Chiapas beans.
0: All right, here we go. All right, so let's find out what Alex Jones's superpower is. When I was a kid,
3: I had like HD vision. I could like, see ants like 30 feet away walking around around. It's crazy. It's crazy. I can see like nebulas and... Pe- and the stars at night and stuff. Sure you could. Superman vision, not anymore. Like the doctors when I was like 10 said it was beyond 2015, but they, the measurements didn't go
0: better. <laughs> I was superhuman, but the I was off the charts with my measurements of how well I could see. All right, so here we go.
1: And then I started drinking.
0: <laughs> All right, so we have left. We have um, Alex Jones propagates the meme. And Alex Jones gets it right.
1: Give me the meme.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad you're finishing with this because we're going to finish with something very similar. So we're going to the meme, everyone. Good luck.
3: I had told people we were going to sell out of ancient defense, uh, and we did, but we got more in. I told folks we were going to sell out of uh, living defense, which is the ultimate parasite detoxer with 27 known ingredients to flush out safely and healthily parasites, you name it. From little organisms right up to worms, you name it. Well, we would have sold out, except they went, "Oh, sorry, we gave you a glitch. We had over a thousand
0: bottles extra than what we thought." Glitch? <laughs> they he, they they gave him a glitch. Did you hear that? He didn't even he didn't even use it properly. I mean, you had it set up, Alex. You were going to give the good sales pitch, and then they gave you a glitch. Here it is,
1: Alex. Alex, you run a you run a fucking WordPress blog. You've got some WooCommerce plug-in. It's got the little inventory button. You just It's a little form. You, you put in the number. It goes up or down automatically as you add or subtract inventory. It's not, it's not a glitch if you add a 1,000 extra <laughs> bottles.
0: <laughs> they gave Listen, him a glitch. It, Listen, it they, gave they gave it to him. They gave it to him. Listen. This one's right up to worms. You name it. Here it is. Well, we would have sold out except they went.
3: Oh, sorry. We gave you a glitch. We had over a thousand bottles extra.
0: We gave you a glitch. All right. So, all right. Well, last. um, Whoa. Gotta turn that down. All right. Sorry about that, everyone. So, last one. Alex Jones gets it right. This is part of our solution segment, which we're going to start airing at the end of the show. Five minutes um, of what you can do to actually affect change. So, here we go. Alex Jones gets it right. Here we are. We've got to take time out to be human, to to garden,
3: to hunt, uh, to engage in carpentry, uh, to engage in painting, to engage in learning a new language, to engage in going out fishing and and just involving ourselves in normal human activities and just turning the televisions off.
0: There you go. Very nice, Alex. Thank you so much. And we will close out our segment here. And when... so Josh thank you so much for joining us on the Alex Jones NLP you will be winning nothing because you guessed neither one of the questions correct and um,
1: I was close though uh,
0: next time we'll get those superpowers kind of nailed down for you so
1: I could have sworn it was the beans <laughs>
0: alright so now we're on to our next segment and this segment is the fun one that I've been waiting for all week and this is our alternative currency segment. So, we are going to talk about what has happened in the past week and a half with our beloved Bitcoin. And so now, we are seeing what the possibilities of this said coin could be. And believe me, folks, it is alarming. So, let us, um, let us wander into the digital woods, shall we, Josh?
1: Sure thing.
0: That's right, we are taking a hike through the digital ones and zeros of the Bitcoin world. So, now, what significant happened to Bitcoin in the last week, Josh?
1: Chinese people, man, They've been <laughs> buying like crazy.
0: <laughs> so those of you that don't follow the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin has actually gone up exponentially. Um, starting three weeks ago, uh, it went drastically up to seven seventy ish from a four hundred dollar mark. So it was a pretty pretty good spike, uh, and then Re- got-
2: really
1: starting last November when we were around two twenty.
0: Yeah. Here.
1: Yep. Um, and are up. Are up around these levels since.
0: Yeah, and we were, and we both have read. Um, actually, Josh has read the latest one. I have not. Uh, Cliff High actually runs a very interesting web bot report that he's constructed uh, utilizing uh, machine language to go out and grab some of the common terms that are used in our nomenclature uh, on the web to in essence, try to model a future-predictive model of what will happen, and he's predicted some really interesting things with this, with this algorithm. Josh, do you want to expand on what I just said, and you, can, you kind of understand the, uh, the ins and outs of it a little bit better than I do?
1: Well, it's a predictive linguistic system using uh, web crawlers, spiders, uh, and he analyzes this data based on his uh, presumption that all human beings are, to a certain extent, psychic, and that this psychic intuition is leaked through use of our language, uh, in in terms of uh, certain phrases or certain terms showing up I- incredibly out of context. Uh, so some of the examples he uses are example, you know, if the word battleship was showing up in a gardening forum uh, over and over again, just mm-hmm. completely, completely out of out of out of the blue. And of course, the whole method is is closed source, so there's really no way to tell exactly what's going on under the hood here. Right. Um but he's had some really interesting calls over the past few years. Um a lot of it, uh the timetables are off. A lot of it uh doesn't come to fruition at all. Yeah. Uh but but sometimes there are just very strange specific things that it gets it, to the day correct. Yeah. Over the past six months, bitcoin prices have been one of those things. Right. Uh early last year. Uh, one of the 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 event that made me really start to look at this thing was that it had predicted the collapse of a major American silver supplying mine, mm-hmm. um, three and a half months before the Kenticott, uh mine collapse uh, out west, which is was the largest silver producer in the continental U.S.
0: And he also predicted the um, the fires <sighs> in uh, in uh, Canada as well
1: yeah and there are also a lot of segments about about Canada and Northwest uh being on set of ways
0: so let's let 's talk about bitcoin not only as a currency the the obvious rise to superstardom over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks and as you alluded to last couple of months but what we need to look at is the is the integration now that has come about. With PayPal, what do you think, what does that symbolize for you?
1: Hmm, well, we were talking about this earlier this week, and I don't necessarily know if you can call this uh, a cryptocurrency-specific
0: move. Right,
1: because uh, I mean, with all these changes, like Recaptcha VPN services be beginning to be blocked. Yeah, let's let's start is-
0: talking about that too. Because uh, for all of our nerds out there, this is we're we're about to go high level nerd on you. And if um, if you're not well, very then, nerdy, it's, it's then it's just important. yeah, it's if you're important not really nerd nerdy, shit. then just try to stay with us. We'll break it down as as simple as we can. So, um, describe what's going on. We'll start with the VPNs, and then we'll build our way up to PayPal and Bitcoin.
1: So, well, I think we should maybe start with the foundation of the uh, of of the uh, what what's it called, the internet. Um, these new internet regulations. Okay. Yeah. Uh, regulation of internet as a utility. Right. I, so I, the, I forget, FCC, what, what, the FCC. What was the name of the act? Though?
0: Um, I, I can't remember. Probably Internet Freedom Act. If I know our government's nomenclature, like I should. I'm gonna give myself one for that.
1: Mm. Oh man, this No, is it was bugger.
0: the um it was oh my gosh, what they talk about it all the time. Um the Oh well, oh, it'll come to me. You, you just anyway, describe what's going on.
1: So this uh the net neutrality. Thank you. But, uh, so I, uh, yeah, you can
0: n- get one. This new this new
1: net neutrality law that has been passed that is seeks to regulate the uh internet as a utility. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor that the government uses is that of the post office that <clears throat>
0: That, a packet. Uh, uh, a packet is a package that gets delivered that to your computer. Packet,
1: exactly, and that the U, that USPS pre- tre- treats every package the same way. Wait, I've,
0: uh, I've and, got one. I got. I got something for that. Um, yeah, there we go. Not a uh,
1: package. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that their analogy is that every USPS treats every package the same way. So ISPs should treat your packets of data the same way and transmit them at the same speed at the same time. Really, this is just a Trojan horse to begin regulating uh, pretty much all of the Internet because once something is regulated like utility, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, and so this is essentially the beginning of the end of, of the free and open Internet. And these regulations really start to go into effect later this year in late September, early October time frame. It's funny how all these things kind of coincide around those that... Two week span but whatever um, that's how they want to play this uh, so we're starting to see uh, some very interesting things going on what I can only assume is compliance with this new internet real ID or real ID <laughs> maybe that's part of it
0: oh that's <laughs> the other that's the other portion we need to get into as well
1: yeah with but with this net neutrality and what's going on now so uh, a lot of major services, a- any website that uses Cloudflare, which is a very popular cloud hosting and web hosting service, um, which I-, I believe is a Google service, is it not?
0: I thought Cloudflare was Microsoft, but I mean, I could be getting one Ooh, of my you're tech. Right. So I-
1: Cl- Cloudflare is Microsoft, but Cloudflare uses Google's ReCAPTCHA system. Yeah, yeah. So in it, order for like authentication
0: brought- of make sure, and ReCAPTCHA is an authentication tool to make sure that you're not just a, a bot.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Re- ReCAPTCHA has begun triggering on pretty much everyone's website. If you're using a VPN, I'm sure VPN users have noticed this. A VPN, by the way, is a virtual private network.
0: Yeah, and explain to and explain to the users that aren't you know super tech savvy what the what the um, benefit of using a VPN would be for a free and independent human being.
1: So VPN essentially just in, it shoots all of your web traffic through an encrypted tunnel and spits it out somewhere where you are not uh, to make it seem as if your computer is, uh, is somewhere that it's physically not. Uh, it changes your IP address, okay. essentially, uh, if people know what that is.
0: Yeah, the IP address is the actual, um, once again, to use a terrible mail analogy, it would be considered your mailbox out at the end of your driveway. Everybody mm-hmm. has a specific one, a specific number and address and MAC address, but machine access, <laughs> or what is it, machine address code, is that what that is? MAC, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Exactly. So continue.
1: Uh, so th- not only has Google's recapture system begun kind of blocking VPNs, um, but PayPal, uh, and this happened to you as well, Jake, if yep. I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, uh, PayPal uh, used to support two-factor authentication for um, the for signing in from different locations. So if it noticed an IP address was new or uh, unfamiliar, it would send you a text or an email. You'd have to enter a security code, and then you could log in freely. Uh, whereas now, uh, whenever I try to log into PayPal using a VPN, again, I'm a perfectly legitimate PayPal user. It's my real name. It's my real PayPal account. I'm not trying to scam them or anything, uh, simply like digital privacy um, but now they're making users reset their password every time uh, it connects from an unfamiliar IP address, so not overtly banning these things, although PayPal earlier this year did ban the, the payment of VPN uh, service providers using PayPal Yeah, uh, that, hap- that happened earlier this year so they're just trying to make it increasingly annoying for you to use a VPN uh, just as Google is um, and then, of course, the icing on the cake, Jake, uh, which I guess brings us back to the point of this segment, is Coinbase's integration with PayPal, because immediately after we had that conversation on the phone, Jake, about all of this stuff, I sat down to my Coinbase account, uh, which is a draconian service and terrible anyways, Yep. Uh, but I, I sat down to see that Coinbase and PayPal uh, have now begun their integration process, and uh, one can buy or one can buy Bitcoins using PayPal uh, and sell them, or excuse me, can sell Bitcoins using PayPal and can buy them using PayPal-linked debit or credit cards. That's right. (laughs) So, I mean, this is something that would have been unheard of six, eight months ago, but um, it, it just means that Bitcoin users, if you're not already... Mike Hearn should have been a wake-up call to all Bitcoin users. But if you don't already know, Bitcoin is actively under assault uh, by not the core protocol so much as it is through the payment gateways and know-your-customer laws, mm-hmm. uh, as, as well as startups like, that have insidious um, uh, connections, like the blockchain company started by Blythe Masters, who was the, <laughs> the inventor of the credit default swap, And uh, as well as uh, the chief uh, market rigger of silver over at J.P. Morgan for many years. Right. Uh, Or take Zappo, for example, another Bitcoin startup that uh, has on its board as of directors Larry Summers.
0: Oh, he's a good guy. He didn't engineer anything for the U.S. economy that was bad.
1: Mr. Cashless Society himself. So what we're seeing, Jake, essentially, is that we covered this earlier this year on your show, the R3 consortium yep. the building, that's building upon Ethereum, trying to make their one-world currency vision. You've got a lot of private banks and governments trying to use blockchain technology, but they're also still actively trying to take as many transactions off the Bitcoin blockchain as possible, put them into these payment gateways and systems that are closed, closed ecosystems like Coinbase and PayPal yep. to the point where they're just kind of ambiguous systems and Bitcoin loses what's what's so important and special about it.
0: Yeah, and the the thing that is so important and special is the decentralization and the ability to not have your your ability or not have your your funds be tracked and traced. If you would <laughs> well, like a- to, if you would like to, you know, shop anonymously, that'd be great. And the other thing that we need to get into as well, uh, you were going to say something also, but we also need to talk about the the marking of coins too. This is also very important for people that are freedom minded as well.
1: Yeah. So I mean, the two those are two things that Bitcoin users hung their hats on for a long time: anonymous payment structures, which Bitcoin really is not. There are plenty of blockchain analytics companies sure. that. That can I mean if you're really crafty and you're doing blockchain hopping between these anonymous coins then yeah you can get away with some stuff but uh, you know by and large if you're staying within Bitcoin even if you're using CoinJoin like services they they can track you and this mm-hmm. is just what's publicly available so who knows what else is being worked on behind mm-hmm. the scenes Blockchain so dot not, info yeah that well I mean the Bitcoin blockchain is public so it's its yeah. greatest strength and one of its greatest weaknesses right. uh, but the, the so that. I don't think people should really hang their hats on too mm-hmm. much anymore, and I don't even think you can really hang hang your hat on a decentralized Bitcoin any longer. Mm-hmm. It's certainly more decentralized than the payment gateways that we have now. Yeah. you know, like the Fed system or SWIFT or something like that. That being said, you, you know, you've got recursive er, er, and light wallet clients where you know Electrum is one of the most popular, mm-hmm. which is a desktop wallet uh electrum is running a couple thousand servers worldwide uh and serving hundreds of thousands if not millions of, of clients right so that's not that's that's not a lot of servers if we look at the production of bitcoin in terms of mining uh it's pretty much five chinese chinese mining conglomerates that control the majority of the hashing power of bitcoin uh to force core protocol changes so it's not a decentralized platform anymore either you no. know uh but what it is is something that you can't turn off with a flip of a switch. Yep. If, if you use it the right way, if you maintain your own wallet as opposed to keeping your coins on an exchange like Coinbase, if you're uh, conscious about you know spending from uh, wallets using change addresses and HD wallets properly, uh, securing things with hardware wallets, you can be your own central bank and you can make payments to anyone anywhere. Uh, without anyone coming in and you know freezing your account because uh, you know you you didn't pay the government their fair share. Yeah, exactly. Year.
0: Or 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 you know the theft of the banking class where they steal for a transactional fee.
1: Exactly. So the part of the thing that's so disturbing about this Bitcoin PayPal integration uh, is is kind of like the way that these Bitcoin credit cards and debit cards now operate. Yeah. Where people are being asked to keep their their bitcoins in an account. That's off the blockchain for all intents and purposes. Right. It's not really under your control, right. but you keep it there because it's convenient. Because you can swipe your card, yeah. or or you can use your PayPal account to shop on eBay with it. Yeah. Uh, so once they've got you back and using Bitcoin as just an interface into that dollar exchange system they've got you.
0: Yep, they got right. you right back on the reservation where everybody tried to leave and that's what the that's what the major concern was when we were talking about how we needed to keep this separate from from USD. I mean, that's that's in essence what it had to be. It had to be separate from USD. It had to be separate from the dollar. It had to be separate from a conversion. You had to make it a little bit more difficult. And like you said, you know, the convenience of this is far going to outweigh um, from the the casual Bitcoin user, it's going to far outweigh the um, ancillary properties which you and I just described.
1: Yeah. Well, and the frustrating thing, Jake, is that all that's going to happen for people who reject that system, uh, decide to keep their coins in their own wallet and not use Coinbase's off-chain transactions and things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all they're going to do is find that using Bitcoin has become infinitely more expensive for them. Yeah. Because as there's, there's less transactions on the blockchain, then by necessity uh it it costs more uh to to run the servers the tra- yep the tran- the transactions that are happening mm-hmm. so you're you're going to be spending you know exorbitant fees to 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 send bitcoin places when if you just kept it on coinbase or in your zappo account or wherever mm-hmm. uh there's no fees and it's instantaneous and you can use it at starbucks
0: so so the overarching theme is that it's going to be become <clears throat> For the casual user, it'll become more socially accepted. But from a once again looking at it from a long-term perspective, playing the long game, it is definitely a onboarding platform to a cashless society, which uh, scares both of us.
1: Well, Bitcoin is really great for if you're a person who wants to avoid capital controls or move your money globally, you can do that with cryptocurrencies. That's or excellent. get
0: out of the British pound.
1: Yeah, or, or you know, pay your bills in it. you know right. I, I pay some bills in Bitcoin, and it's a fantastic experience. Um, but the real dream of Bitcoin was, at least initially, that it would be this kind of thriving alternative Internet economy where people would be exchanging the coins directly. And what we've seen instead is that it's pretty much just an investment vehicle and yep. a trading platform. Yep. a really good one. Uh, but the the volatility makes it difficult to be used as a as a real currency, um, which you know I again don't get me wrong I love be I love the ability to spend it I love that I have one more option for an investment vehicle outside of the you know the Dow Nasdaq uh, savings account negative interest rate global chaos that we're being offered right now but I mean. I, You know, in terms of asset allocations, again, I'm no financial advisor, but, you know, these kind of moves make it hard to be more allocated into Bitcoin than anything like 10 or 20%. And that might be aggressive for even most people.
0: No, I would agree. So, we got about 10 minutes left. Let's, um, so... Josh and I have been kicking the idea back and forth, putting together a better structure for the show, and I think that we're getting into a, a better cadence with the with a newer format, obviously just bringing in some other um, bells and whistles um, from the soundboard and things like that to, to spice up the conversation. But also, uh, we want to present solutions in the end. So Josh, if you want to spend a couple of minutes talking about your current solution, um, Josh and I are on two very different ends of the spectrum. So if you want to explain your situation and what you're doing and then I will explain my situation and what I'm doing just to give people some size and scope to to understand that, you know, the war of attrition is real and you have to you have to take the little steps to ensure your freedom now. Because we may not have these steps in the future. So if we go ahead and plan for them and we start executing them and show other people how to take gradual steps towards total freedom, then I think we're all going to be in a better spot. So um, why don't you briefly go over with the audience where you're at with your your venture into freedom, and then I will describe uh, my venture out of the Panopticon.
1: Sure thing, Jake. And I hope that maybe the segment can be a little longer than 10 minutes because I would like to talk about how our respective gardens are doing this we year. We
0: don't have uh, a time limit or a British girl. The only thing that we might have to do is, um, I don't know, I don't think we got to do anything. So go ahead.
1: Ah, uh, the wonders of running your own stream. So <laughs> when, I, when I began begun to be awakened to this entire process, uh, and left the University of Michigan, where I was being brainwashed at the time. I uh, decided that you know so many avenues were not possibilities for me. Uh, traditional employment in corporate America. I, I wanted my own my own job, my own roof over my head, and all of these things. Um, uh, my family was one of many that lost their McMansion in the 2008 downturn. So uh, certainly losing a home was not something that I wanted to experience, again, at least not in that manner. Um, so I set out to essentially make my life a radical experiment in human autonomy uh, as a resistance to Agenda 21 and genetically modified foods by growing your own, producing your own power, being off the grid and autonomous, uh, as, as well as um, navigating building zoning, electrical codes uh, to essentially do this for very low cost being able to build it your house, yourself without having to deal with inspectors which is a hard process and it changes uh, county to county township to township. There's no real boilerplate guide on how to do this anywhere you gotta do the hard research um, um,
0: Just for everybody's you know, ed- edification, how long did you take to research and find your plot that you finally settled on?
1: Uh, well I'd say just the Just the land research itself and and the coding, probably six months. Uh, And, of course, much, much more research on (laughs) how to build things and carpentry and wiring 12-volt PV panels, permaculture, all that stuff had had to be researched ahead of time. And you're always learning about those things. But, yeah, a solid six months of just pouring over local building and zoning codes as well as visiting properties and seeing what was right.
0: So it's not an overnight experience?
1: Oh, no, and what you find is a lot of people buy uh, land out in the wilderness, because, and they just assume, oh, well, it's 20 acres of pure uncut forest, so I can put up my little log cabin and no one will bother me. And you'd be surprised, even some of the most rural places have, have very stringent requirements, so you're going to get red-ta- red-tagged, and the taxman uh, will probably come for you at some point.
0: They're such good people. All right, so um, so continue. You you've you found your plot, and then um, then where did you go from there?
1: I mean, from there. Uh, uh, last summer, I lived in a in a camper trailer, an RV, while I built the cabin, um, as, and as well as started raising chickens and uh, and and gardening, starting a small orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my second, third year on the land, but second year really being intensively involved for a whole season. Uh, and I'm just getting down to the closing bell here, Jake. The, uh, the, the final, uh, pine panel, pine tugging groove panels are going in in the cabin. So it's, uh, it's going to be time for me to move on up to the wilderness
0: permanently. So from your perspective, when people, when people are, um, just like some guidelines or pointers, people, let's say that somebody wants to have a getaway or, you know, just a cabin out in the woods, like you said, and they don't want to be bothered, um, what are some what are some zoning things that they should look for? What are some gotchas or some terminology that they should look for?
1: Well, I I am going to at some point devote a video series, a blog series, as well as an entire book to this topic. This is why I
0: asked you that question to shame you into doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it it really does require that that all of those things, and you know I do need some motivation on that front, but it's um. Uh, a lot of people take the avenue uh, and, and have this knee-jerk reaction of the tiny house movement, right? Uh, which is something that I was very intrigued by at first, where they just kind of say to themselves, "Well, if you put it on wheels, then you skirt all these codes." Uh, and in a lot of places, that's true. You can put it. You can put it, your your dwelling on wheels. Uh, that way, you certainly skirt a lot of uh, electrical codes because uh, you can wire it through 12 volt, because you know. Municipalities, even universal building code only regulates 120-volt systems, AC. So DC 12-volt system, you can do whatever the hell you want with. Um, <clears throat> that being said, there are plenty of places where the requirements uh, for living on what they call an RV or, a, or travel trailer, mm-hmm. camping, uh, for lack of a better term, is what a lot of the code defined it as. Mm-hmm. A lot of rural places actually have more stringent regulations on living in a camper than living in what they what some counties legally classify as a shed right uh there are places where you can camp on your land 365 days a year in your rv there are other places where you you can't you can live in your rv for 60 days but you have to live in your quote-unquote shed for another 120 days i mean it's all sorts of inane ridiculous uh legislation and in some places you can just get away with doing it all completely off the books and no one will bug you. Right. Uh, for every one of those people though, there's someone like this couple in Lebanon County, Michigan, a few hours away from me, um, who did just this. Uh, I'm a few counties over and I'm golden living the life that I'm living. They tried to live the exact same life, two counties over and are now homeless. Uh, the city actually said it is legal for them to live in a tent on their property, (laughs) but not their house. Um, so th- yeah, th- this is the idiocy and the ridiculousness that you're dealing with when you want to build your own house without following building codes, electrical codes, and without a mortgage. Uh, so I can see why a lot of people just shake their heads and don't ever try. Right. Uh, that that being said, uh, it, the stay closer
0: to ent- the, stay closer to the keyboard. Sorry. Oh, you sorry. Keep leaning back. Just, you, you dip out.
1: Yeah. The the barrier to entry for all this stuff is very low. Uh, Cost wise, the, the the biggest barrier, of course, is Is your time and how much you're willing to learn, um, because you know you can you can sure you can spend you know sixty eighty thousand dollars on a really nice piece of raw timberland or farmland and and make your stand there. Right. Um, But you could also buy what I call junk land. You know, buy pure uncut sections of the wilderness that are half an acre, one acre, two acres, uh, and you know for seven eight thousand dollars, maybe even cheaper in some places and just and just start, you know, go up there every now and then as you find somewhere that's amenable to the zoning, you know, start framing walls, uh, start leveling building sites, uh, start clearing out bits of land to grow, uh, food. I mean, even if you have no intention of, of living in these places, if you're stuck in a city somewhere and you don't like the idea of community gardening or you don't have a community garden, uh, you know, build your own community garden or your own personal family garden if you don't have access to this kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I don't know. That's the, the fundamental approach to kind of wrap this little explanation up is um, most people, when they set out to do these kind of things, uh, especially wealthy people, which I'm not one. <laughs> you know, I'm broke. At, I'm a broke ass millennial uh, trying to build a more stable future than that of my peers uh, who are baristas. <laughs> with a lot of student debt. But um, oh, where is I going with this?
0: Well you're just you were just kind of wrapping up what um the you know, gardening and the lifestyle that you lifestyle changes hmm. that you made.
1: I'm sorry, yeah. A lot of a lot of people go into this lifestyle and don't make it a lifestyle. They buy their survival seeds. <laughs> Which by the way <laughs> probably won't germinate after a year, people. If you actually gardened you would know these things. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, so <laughs> good luck with that. But they, they buy their solar panels, they might put up their shack in the woods in their bug-out location. Yeah. And they've got this dream of packing the car full of rice and beans and getting the kids and shooting up your flare gun so your buddies with their AR-15s can fight their way up the expressway to your little <laughs> slice of nirvana. Yeah. Um, One, I don't even necessarily know if that's the world that we're going to be living in anytime no, soon.
0: No, I don't think so either.
1: Yeah, and and certainly maybe hardship, but maybe not along those lines. Right. And and two, what you do is you essentially get yourself up into the, this environment and find that you have no skills. You're not <laughs> you're not able to deal with the world around you. And furthermore, mm-hmm. this is the important part. If you would have lived that lifestyle ahead of all this crap, right? And your neighbors lived that lifestyle, and you had not even a lot of people but just a critical mass of local agricultural and power independence. Maybe you could have avoided all this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So this uh, what I'm building isn't a bug out location. It's it is a stateless homestead. Uh, it's a life and hopefully a guidepost for other people who want to follow a similar life and that's why I call my blog statelesshomesteading.com
0: which was supposed to be a video blog. Yeah, I'm giving myself <laughs> one for that. All right, things
1: things change.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I still think you should do it. So anyway, uh, my trip is now culminating in um, I I am a um, I am a wage slave to a corporation. So I'm once again the polar opposite of Josh. Wage slave to a corporation. I um, I have debt uh, in the manner of a mortgage. So. I chose my, I chose my property that I live on based on my principles of freedom, what I wanted to be able to do uh, with my property and my possessions. So currently I live on two and a half acres, um, uh, uh, an acre of which um, bisects a pond. So I have water rights to it because it doesn't, uh, it's considered water runoff. Once again, looking at the zoning codes and understanding the property that you're going to buy or purchase or whatever is very important. So, I made sure that I had water rights. It was a water, it's considered water runoff. So, there's nobody else that has rights to this um, particular piece of property or um, except for the other, you know, four landowners that back up to this pond. And it's about six acres. So, the reason I wanted that. Was the ability to not have the government come by or some um, municipality tell me or a county tell me when I couldn't water my garden or water my plants or actually, you know, if uh, in a, you know, terrifying scenario, if I had to go out and get my own water, I didn't have to go very far. I had to go um, 200 yards down to the water and uh, utilize one of my filtration systems, and we'd be fine. So thinking you know, thinking outside the box, thinking ahead. So I grew up in a rural town here in Georgia and uh, had a garden my entire life. Uh, talking to my parents uh, this week, we had a great conversation about what, uh, what, uh, what the United States was like when, when they were getting older and when they were growing up. Uh, How it differs. And one of the things that my father uh, said that was really interesting, that I found was interesting, is that people used to work um, Monday, Tuesday, had a half a day Wednesday, and then would work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then have Sunday off. Uh, So it was a different work schedule back then. But um, the reason that everybody got uh, Wednesday afternoon off is that uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, once again, this is right after World War II, was the time uh, for you to go home and work on your garden. So it was it was actually accepted in society that everyone would have a garden and be able to grow some semblance of their own food because we didn't have um, you know mass transportation of um, agriculture like we do now and um, couldn't ship in you know uh, avocados from Mexico. You just if you wanted an avocado and it was out of season, you were just you know kind of tough luck. And my mom also mentioned that when they got uh, oranges for Christmas, it was a huge treat because uh, the oranges just weren't around. They were really expensive because it was wintertime. So just understanding that and growing up in a house that um, always had a garden. I um, I was one of the one of the kids that um, my mom, when I was the youngest, so my mom would draft me out there to go and um, work in the garden with her when I was uh, 10 years old or 12 years old. They. Um, that was my first time uh, experiencing the actual building of a garden, starting from uh, tilling up the soil to creating the rows to weeding it out, to planting the seeds to watching the seeds germinate to pruning the seeds to pruning the plants. So I had um, I had roughly ten years of experience uh, from the time that I was six or seven, going out there and helping my mom plant squash or whatever, uh, to the time that I was uh, seventeen years old. Um, I always had a garden. So. I had a skill set that was easy to use uh, once I had my own property and I knew exactly what to do, you know, as far as tilling it up, where to plant it, where the maximum sun is, where to plant the crops. And so there's all these little things that we can do to be, number one, self-sufficient, but number two, to be, as like Alex Jones said, get back to normal human activity and, the reason that we have matured this podcast and the reason that I have is because I've matured as a human being. I'm, you know, Three and a half years ago, I was ranting and raving, screaming at everybody, trying to get them to pay attention to the idea of globalism and how dangerous it could be to your sovereignty and to your individual liberty. Uh, and as I matured and started to do more research and become more aware of what I could do as an individual, uh, the goals and um, and aspirations became very, very simple. I knew that I could get out of debt eventually, but um, I knew that the system wasn't really going anywhere over the last um, year and a half or, uh, I would say, um, two years. I'm starting to come to the, the the vast realization that if we do have an economic uh, put, it won't be uh, nearly as bad as somebody like the, uh, like the seed man will tell you that it will be. And that's, once again, utilizing fear, which is the great motivator to get you to do something, but um, I just don't think that that's the right way to go about it. Once again, different strokes for different folks. It at least got me to pay attention to a, a bigger agenda going on, and now that I've realized the big agenda and i realize the scope and the, and the way that it's all going to, um, to manifest, or at least have some semblance of a roadmap of how it's going to manifest, then you just take steps to, um, to sidestep the road that they're trying to put you on. If they want you to go cashless, use cash. If they want you to use credit cards, barter. If they want you to go to the store to get your food, grow your own. If they um, want to shut off your water because it's a drought, um, possibly manifested by some advanced um, weather technology where they're creating uh, weather patterns or weather drought. Uh, understand that you need to have um, you need to have alternative means to to get done what you need to get done. So. The, the solution is not simple. There is no simple solution. Uh, the reason that we started this portion of the show, and we're always going to do it at the end, is to give you ideas to make yourself more free. Whether it's utilizing alternative currencies, uh, utilizing uh, barter systems rather than uh, changing, exchanging fiat dollars. Or um, the most important thing I found is, uh, is talking to people and I I don't know if anybody else does this, but try to strike up a conversation with everyone that you run into. The majority of people have a good idea that something is really wrong. Some people will shock you in their knowledge. I met somebody at work that shocked me in his knowledge. I had no clue that this guy knew anything of what was going on. He knew about the speaker Space Program. He knew about all the the black budget. He knew about all this stuff. But if I would have never taken the time to, once again, have normal human activity and strike up a conversation... I would have never known and and we would have never gotten anywhere, and he and I would have never bounced ideas off each other of what we think is going to happen um and 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 what we're doing to prepare for what could happen, so that's the biggest thing just just be a normal human, grow a garden, you know, go out there, get some exercise, get some sunlight, uh turn the TV off, read a book, <laughs> have a conversation with somebody um and that's that's about all I got. Josh, you got anything else to cap it off?
1: Oh man! I mean, these are all excellent suggestions, and it's you know, uh, just because someone like I, I, I think it's really good that you outlined just how different both of our circumstances are. Sure. Because it doesn't.
0: There is no there thing. is no one way, and that's what that's what we exactly. wanted to get across with this whole segment is that there is no one way to do it. Just do what you can. And be exactly. proud of be proud of what you do, and if people try to make fun of you or whatever, like I show everybody at work my garden, they're like, "Oh, like oh that's that's kind of cool." I'm like, "Why do you not do it? Uh, I'd rather just go to the store." I'm like, "So you would rather go to the store than walk out on your back porch and grab a tomato off a tomato plant that you can literally stick in a five gallon bucket? You're an idiot." Yeah.
1: Well, and 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 to nurture something for an entire season and see the literal fruits of your labor. Not to not to mention have everything taste infinitely better than even the most premium organic shit that you can buy. Uh, it's it's unlike anything else. It's it's unlike anything else you've ever experienced. If you have if you've never done that,
0: it, uh, I will agree with Alex Jones this perspective. Where if you start gardening and you sit out there for uh, let's not lie, because Josh, I'm sure you've been through it. If you have a if you have a thriving garden. Sitting out there for two hours in the morning, and then going out there for an hour and a half in the afternoon just to pick out the weeds that are in your garden. When you get, there's something that clicks in your brain that just kind of puts you at ease. It calms you down. There's something about digging in the soil that that activates little neurons in your brain. I don't know what it does, but it, it changes you. It relaxes you, and it gives you a sense of. Um, it gives you a sense of greater purpose, and it's kind of like the same thing that I do when I look up at the stars. I was talking to my friends when we were all um, hanging out on the picnic table one night, uh, looking up at the stars. And I think you might have been there, Josh, when I um, I was me and my friend Alan and someone else. It might have been my friend Brian. But I just said, you know, the coolest thing to me about looking up at the stars is thinking about all the generations before us that came. That are doing that did the exact same thing that we're doing right now, and that to me was really powerful. And just having that connection with humanity—I mean, when's the last time, if, if you live in the city, when's the last time you went and looked at the stars? Just do normal human stuff, and tr- and just you try can't to—you
1: can't—you can't exactly see the stars in the city.
0: No, not really, not really. Man,
1: man's, the light of man's own metropolis has blocked out <laughs> the heavens, and as Nietzsche said, God is dead.
0: <laughs> all right man well i think that's gonna do it for the show you got anything else or are we done
1: yeah yeah i was i was just gonna do a brief gardening overview oh if, let's do it if you think it's getting long in the tooth then we can we can stop nah,
0: i i think we should end it on this segment we'll do the gardening segment next time for uh solutions All right, so that's it for the podcast, everyone. Uh, You will be able to find this. uh, Hopefully, you'll be able to find this on the stream uh, under the We Are Not Cattle page. Um, I'm going to upload it to Blog Talk. Let's hope they don't have any restrictions on me because I cut them off. Uh, If they did cut me off, you can still go to the website wearenotcattle.net, search the podcast. I will post it on its own separate page, which will be going up this weekend. I'll put all my archive shows on there, changing the RSS feed, so you'll be able to find all the old archive shows there. And uh, we will be removing ourselves from Blog Talk, and their um, and their faulty. Um, what's the best way to put this? Um, their interesting, creative counting structure for downloads. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> I don't think I have many, very many friends over there. But that's it for the show, everyone. Remember, get a form, get a friend, get informed, get involved, and uh, rise above the rhetoric. And you know, just um, well, damn, just be a human. Peace, love, and liberty, everyone.